Hello, and welcome to This Week I Learned, your audio guide to the most surprising discoveries and fascinating studies of the week. I'm your host, Lauren Hansen. This week I learned that even cavemen brush their teeth. This new revelation comes from an enterprising archaeologist professor named Karen Hardy, who spoke to the Washington Post about her research on the dental plaque of million-year-old human remains. Dental plaque, if you're not familiar, is a film that covers your teeth. It's basically why you have to brush your teeth every day to prevent this plaque from hardening. But even among the best brushers out there, plaque can attach to a tooth and harden. And within 10 days, that piece of plaque can become so calcified that you have to go to a dentist to scrape it off. As for Karen Hardy, well, she wanted to find out what these cavemen and women were putting into their mouths. Hardy used an ancient human fossil from an archaeological site in northern Spain. She scraped off some of the calcified plaque from the fossil's tooth and then broke it down to find microscopic evidence of what was preserved inside. She found grass, seeds, other plants, and meat, all of which were raw, which meant that they didn't yet use fire to cook. In addition to these primitive meal plans, Hardy also found insect fragments and pollen grains, which told her that these early humans likely lived in a forest. But what's really cool is that she also found indigestible wood fibers, which Hardy believes were from small sticks that these early humans used to clean their teeth. Of course, eating all that raw meat is particularly tough, and those tendons and fibers would easily get jam in those teeth, making it uncomfortable enough that our early ancestors would have come up with ways to clean their mouths regularly. These early human dental habits now join a long and rich history of old ancestors getting clever about picking stuff out of their teeth. The earliest known toothbrush dates back to about 3500 BC. Pieces of stick with frayed ends were found in Egyptian tombs. People in Sudan about 2000 years ago chewed a bitter weed called nut sedge that had antibacterial properties that helped prevent cavities. This week I learned the story behind one of the most extraordinarily bizarre photos the internet has to offer. This of course being an audio story, let me explain. If you google bagpiper penguin, a black and white photo of a penguin and a bagpiper in full highland dress will appear. The bagpiper is a Scottish man by the name of Gilbert Kerr, and the bird is an emperor penguin. The photo was just one of the results of a Scottish expedition to Antarctica from 1902 to 1904. You see, in the first years of the 20th century, Scotland was one of several nations, including Germany, France, Sweden, and England, that sent explorers to one of the least known parts of the South Polar regions. The Scottish team was led by polar scientist and naturalist William S. Bruce. But in true Scottish nature, the small team also included a bagpiper. Mr. Gilbert Kerr. The expedition was scientific in nature. The crew would be devoted to biological, meteorological, and some map-making work. Kerr's role in the two-year expedition was to keep up morale, but there was also some interest in studying the effect the bagpipes had on penguins. The piper, dressed in his full highland dress, including what appears to be only knee socks and a kilt, played a few tunes for one of the emperor penguins. 
But according to the official report of the Scottish expedition, this seabird wasn't at all interested. William Bruce writes, Neither rousing marches, lively reels, nor melancholy laments seemed to have any effect on these lethargic, phlegmatic birds. There was no excitement, no sign of appreciation or disapproval, only sleepy indifference. For the photo, the penguin was reportedly tethered to a large cooking pot packed with snow. Of course, emperor penguins are now a protected species, so these days polar explorers wouldn't be able to do any such thing for a photo op. But back then, the crew of the Scotia had no such qualms. In fact, according to the log, the crew even dined on penguin, calling the act of cooking the bird an art form. William Bruce even went so far as to suggest Scotland should get in on the business of penguin meat. He writes, I think it would be well worthwhile to establish penguin rookeries on many of the barren rocks of the Western Isles of Scotland, and so introduce a new and delicious food to the inhabitants of this country. This week I learned that you can tell a lot by a person's breath. The ratio of chemical compounds that make up your breath is as unique as your fingerprint. And some of those chemical compounds can have biochemical changes that indicate serious diseases like Parkinson's, kidney disease, and cancer. Breath analysis isn't necessarily a new science in medicine. Breath as a medical indicator actually dates back to the Greeks in 400 BC, who would smell their patient's breath to find out what ailed them. Even today, doctors use technology to detect a single disease, like diabetes, using the breath. But up until now, such technology had been limited to diagnosing the specific, mainly because of the complexity of your breath. Frankly, there's just too much noise or smells or chemical compounds to distract. But scientists are now developing a new tool that can detect a person's entire medical makeup using your unique breath print. This is according to Smithsonian Magazine and a study published in the journal American Chemical Society, Nano. This breath-based general diagnostic tool uses artificial intelligence that is trained to identify specific compound signatures for 17 different diseases. Scientists say the AI works in the same way that dogs are trained to sniff out cancer cells or other illness compounds. The AI sniffs a particular disease using chemical sensors, which are registered and committed to memory using an algorithm. This way, the artificial intelligence can recognize the disease in the future, kind of the same way the dog might recognize a scent. What's really incredible is the tool can be used even when the person shows no symptoms. And the scientists have already had some early successes. After sampling the breath of more than 1,400 people, scientists found that their AI technique was able to discriminate among diseases with 86% accuracy. This week I learned that saunas are good for your mental health. According to a study out of Finland, a more-than-weekly sauna may reduce the risk of Alzheimer's disease and other forms of dementia. Researchers analyzed medical records of more than 2,000 healthy Finnish men between the ages of 42 and 60. Researchers tracked their health for 20 years and also kept track of their sauna use over that time. The Finnish, of course, love saunas. In a country with 5.3 million people, there are 3.3 million saunas. 
And nearly all Finns take at least one sauna per week. Many of them have saunas built into their homes. So the baseline of sauna use for this study was one sauna per week. And researchers found that the men who saunaed much more than that, four to seven times a week, had a 66% lower risk for dementia and a 65% lower risk for Alzheimer's disease. Researchers suggest that there are various physiological benefits of the sauna that might contribute to this bump in brain health. Sauna bathing, for example, reduces inflammation, increases vascular function, and lowers blood pressure. The fact that saunas are meant to be a time for relaxation and to focus on your well-being probably doesn't hurt either. And that does it for this week's episode of This Week I Learned. Look out for new episodes every Friday on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. To read more about any of the facts I've mentioned or to check out more of our series, go to theweek.com slash podcasts. And if you like what you hear, subscribe, tell a friend, or give us a rating or a review on iTunes. I'm Lauren Hansen, and thank you so much for listening. 